This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Almost 19 years to the day since City came from 3-0 down at half-time away to Tottenham. The Blues come from 2-0 down to snatch a famous 4-2 victory. Forget Macken, this time it was Mares. All part of the master plan, right? It's Friday the 20th of January. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. I'm Louis Ritton. And this is the City Report Podcast. Where is going from? Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Listeners won't hear this because the magic of editing, but it took me about four goes to get that intro right, which tells you we're recording this the night of... Uh, match so a little bit of a behind the curtain (laughs) it isn't actually Friday yet nearly Friday Um, but Adam it tells you that my head has well and truly fallen off straight into it there is so much to speak about good bad and the ugly as the phrase goes thoughts I thought it was an incredible night I think it was exactly what City needed I think obviously the result is is fantastic but the manner in which they they get the points is is equally as important for me because if you scrape a one nil victory, don't play all that well and and get out of there with three points, but not a very good performance, then you're you're kind of just stuck where you were before. But I think that second half will be a reminder to to Pep, to the players, to the fans, to to the guys upstairs in the club that this is a phenomenal football team with phenomenal players and and in the right environment and and in the right mood, this team can beat anybody on earth. And I think that was a reminder that was greatly needed. It- Dear me, it was greatly needed. I think it was uh, a bit more than that. It was absolutely necessary, wasn't it? Um, we'll try and, and provide some sort of cohesive analysis, but I think it's just going to be gloves off, sort of uh, unleash the handbrake and go for it. Louis, straight over to you, same question. Not really looking for much analysis at this point, but just your thoughts on the night. 
Yeah, unbelievable, honestly. I mean, I am... Um, I went to the pub for the first half, and I said that. My mate said to me at half well, time. I, like, I thought you were going to say you went to the pub for the first time, and I was like, mate, I know you. I know you're a bit no, younger no, than no. us, but I was like, the no, 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 no. <laughs> I've been at uni long enough. No, yeah, we went to the pub for the first half. My mate was like, oh, do you just want to like, go back to your second half? I was like, yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> so it's such a dead atmosphere in the pub as well. Um, so we went back, and uh, it's the best decision I've made. So I'm never watching a, a city game there again for sure. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, incredible, honestly, like. Um, it's just city all over though, isn't it? Coming oh, back. I, I titled my post Comeback Kings because I was just like, it's, it, we've done it again. It, it doesn't mm. surprise you, but it does at the same time. And, and in that manner as well, obviously recently, those who, some people might just follow City, but those who follow, you know, the Premier League in general, Tottenham have been renowned for being terrible in the first half and coming back in the second half. They started the second half, Adam, with a two-goal lead. Let's bring the mood right down straight away. Let's take us back to that first half because I thought, 40 minutes of it were great. I think I was flicking through some messages off yourself and I saw you saying, you know, this is great, City look back to the best. Obviously, there's always, always, always going to be the left-hand side when there's a defender or the right-hand side if there's, you know, sometimes a Kanji playing there or, or John Stones. When you've got three centre-halves, one of them's playing at full-back, it's going to look a bit weird. Nathan Ake trying, bless him, absolutely adore the fella, but trying to bomb down the wing just just wasn't it. I think maybe in the first half he sent a cross and I think it nearly hit uh, some of the technical team on the, on the um, in the bench. It was that over-hit. But for, for the most part, I thought the first half was great. Moments of madness. Now, we said in on the Manchester derby reaction, we didn't think it was a mentality thing with City in that occasion the decision swung it. However, for me, I'm backtracking on that. I think there was absolutely one of those times where we see City in those moments, like literally 270 seconds, three minutes worth of bizarreness, throw away two goals, suddenly half-time, looking down the barrel. And it was it looked like it was going to be another one of those days where we come on here and we go, oh my God, how bad was that? But we'll get to the second half in a bit. First half, it was, it was just a bit, it, it, it was what we've seen so often in the recent weeks. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I ever said City were back to their best, but I, I think they were much better. And, mm. you know, they had the control. I don't think Tottenham posed much of a threat until the two goals. Um, but combined with the control, you had a little bit more of a threat from City. And whether that was Alvarez buzzing or, or Grealish or Mares, whoever it was, there, there was more of a threat. And you felt like, you know, City might actually score a goal here, which we, we haven't felt in, in a couple of games. <laughs> um, so... I thought that was really great. And yeah, you know, that that back four of Rico Lewis, John Stones, Akanji, and Ake. Some incredible individual footballers in there. But for me, it's lacking a voice. I said this mm. on the last episode that I was on that I'd love to see City get back to the Stones-Diaz partnership because Stones is a phenomenal it defender. Nathan Ake. Yeah, Nathan Ake want, yeah. Is, is a phenomenal defender. But... What what the great the great center backs? What do they also have in their arsenal? It's the ability to command a back line and in the bad moments lift everybody up, reorganize, reset. Don't let you know a fluke goal kind of bring the mood of the entire team down. And I think City are sorely missing that. And when things are going well, they're Rolls Royce defenders. But when things don't start to go well in, in little two three minute spells, they're the kind of players that can drop their heads. And and I think that's what City are lacking. And other than that, the 40 minutes was was really impressive, but you do have that little collapse and, and you've got to pull yourself out of the hole. But I do think that going 2-0 down and going into the break 2-0 down was the best thing that could have happened to this <laughs> team this that. season. Yeah, yeah. 
I said exactly that uh, coming out of the stadium with my dad. I said, it seems crazy to say it now, but and, and not just going 2-0 down, in that moment, in that context, in the way it happened, just before half-time. So there was no sort of chance for City to maybe claw themselves back into it, have a chance. Lloris makes a good save. Tottenham get to half-time. I think Tottenham would have been sat in the dressing room and it's part of my French going, what the actual fuck's just happened? We've been dreadful. They'd have been begging for the half-time whistle because, you know, City weren't relentless in the in the way we've seen them in recent years. And, you know, a, a goal felt like it might come. I know Haaland had that chance. It just went over the bar with the header. But Tottenham would have been thinking, you know, nil-nil at the Etihad, regardless of what, performance and what form they've been in beforehand is a good result again moment of absolute madness and it's the people at this point that you don't expect it from um we've seen edison maybe make mistakes in terms of his goalkeeping louis we've rarely seen him make mistakes in terms of passing it straight to a defender in that situation it's what he's, he does best you know you could stick him in midfield and he, and he won't be making mistakes like that however i think pat guardiola at halftime was asked um we'll, we'll touch on this interview because it's if you've not heard it, you know, pause this, go and have a look at it. Come straight back, please. Don't leave us yet. We've got plenty to say, but go and watch the interview because it's incredible. There's so much he gets into, some good, some bad. But he was asked after after the game, Louis, um, what did you say what did you say to players at half time? And he just gave this sort of quite Jürgen Klopp-esque response to the report, like, ask me a better question. But what what do you think he said at half time? Because he's he's been livid in recent weeks and he was livid post-match. You can imagine he flew off the handles, and I hope to God there were some City TV cameras in there. And at the end of a season, after a, I don't know, should we say a treble winning campaign? Should we take that? <laughs> they release the footage, and we can see what on earth he said because I think it probably might have been one of his best ever team talks. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, that was the first thing I was thinking as well. I said said to a few other people, I was with. I, I wonder what he's saying right now because it's got to be some team talk as well. Mm. I mean, I saw I saw Grealish's interview too, and he said. Um, it was just really silent in the dressing room. It wasn't the place to be. But obviously, mm. he's going to cover it up a bit by saying that. I, I, can, I can imagine there was, there was a telling off and then there was yeah. a silence. Do you know what I mean? But um, no, yeah, whatever he says, just pep, pep all over, isn't it? Working as magic again. So, yeah. I, I would Like you say, to be a fire on the wall in that dressing room oh, after mate. being crazy. Mate, it'd been absolutely astonishing. Let's get to the good bit then, um, Adam. What was it? Moments, really. It felt like moments after the halftime whistle. Google is telling me it was six minutes after. Julian Alvarez pops one in. Almost, I think it was Perisic on the line, almost deflects it over with his head. Two minutes later, Erling Haaland, 2-2. City have done it again. Haaland, part of it, coming from behind. It, it was giving me like the vibes of the summer. I was almost going to get my shorts out and my T-shirt thinking, we're back again, Haaland scoring goals, City coming from 2-0 down. But we've seen it before. As much as we've seen the, the individual errors in recent weeks and the poor performances, we've seen this mentality before. And let's... Let's do our very best if we can. Let's enjoy it. The good times. It was a great night. It'll be remembered for a long time. City find a way. Whether it started in 1999 against Gillingham, whether it's a byproduct of the Aston Villa game coming from 2-0 down, it's seeped over into this season. Who knows? Whilst typical City might mean one thing, typical City in this sense certainly means another. Yeah, and and we spoke after that Villa game that you know the pep teams haven't had the 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 label of teams that come from behind they just didn't do it mm. you know part of that is they didn't go behind very often but when they did i remember a stat coming out last year of of the big 6 teams in the premier league era and how many two goal deficits they'd turned around for victories and you know liverpool had dozens united had dozens mm. and city had had zero or one um <laughs> and that was the, the team we'd been in the premier league era and 
I think now it's a confidence thing. It's, it's when you do it once, you do it twice, you do it a third time. It's just a constant reminder that you have it within you. And, and I think in the, in the kind of present context with the way that city have been playing, it forced them to kind of, you know, let their hair down and just play football yeah. and not think about yeah. having to control things. Cause you can't be playing for that one nil lead anymore. Cause you're down two goals and you've got to come from behind. And it just so happens that city have some damn good footballers on their team. It. And, and when they, <laughs> when they go out and they just play football and they express themselves and they, they have, you know, a goal of having to score one, two, three, four goals, they can, they can do it. I mean, it's it's all we've been asking for is just let them go out there and and express themselves. And you know, you've got all these players with such individual talent. And and yes, we want the system to win games. We've been banging on about that forever. But sometimes you just have to let the players go out there and figure it out themselves. I'm sure there was tactical tweaks. I'm sure Pep had you know a very tactical team talk along with the motivational team talk at halftime. But if you go back and watch that half, you see players taking people on. You see mm-hmm. you know. You see Rico Lewis stepping up into midfield to he had a couple of long range shots and and Rodri had some long range shots and and players just trying things and it turns out when you try things and you're a talented footballer some things stick. What have I been telling them to embrace for months? What have I been saying on this the show? Chaos. Embrace. embrace, embrace the, the chaos, chaos. <laughs> embrace the chaos because with Erling Haaland there you've got as good as a cheat code to three or four goals in a game. He's not going to score them all. Obviously, tonight we'll get to Mares. Fantastic performance from him. Well and truly back to his best, if not sort of going beyond it, which is crazy to say at the start of the season. But with Erling Haaland there, you've got somebody who's going to bring absolute chaos. He isn't designed for a system where it's passed by a thousand, uh, death by a thousand passes at all. He's there to embrace the bloody chaos. And I wouldn't be surprised if at half time there wasn't any tactical tweaks. I'm sure there was, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that, that there wouldn't have been, but I wouldn't be surprised if he just said, right, go and do what you want. Go and do what you want. Because clearly, you know, if, if Guardiola would have been saying, clearly whatever I'm saying isn't working, go and do what you want. And, and maybe that's going to be the key for City this year. Maybe, maybe it's going to be a case of, you know, the individuals, not in the sense that the individuals uh, are going to bail City out, but the good players will be good players. And, and that's what it was, wasn't it, Louis? Um, yeah. We'll keep it rolling. There was loads to talk about. Riyad Mahrez. That man is looking as good as he has ever looked, you know, both footballing wise, and he's got a, a nice fresh trim, as I'm sure he, uh, he must have picked up over over the Christmas break. He's got a good barber for sure, but he's looking like, dare I say it, City's most important player at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it seems crazy to say now, um, considering you know before. Um, the start of the season he's had the start of the season was a very slow start to the season for Mahrez, especially after the back of last year, where last season people were saying shouts for him player of the season. Mm. Um and then this season it was an incredibly slow start. So for him to go from from almost not zero, but it feels like zero to a hundred suddenly yeah. and just turn it on. Like twenty twenty three, turn it on, new new year, new Mahrez or whatever. New, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's I, I was I was watching it tonight and I genuinely was thinking that's one of the best individual 45 minutes I've ever seen. Like, that was incredible. Mm. Just mm. to turn it on like that. Because two goals, one assist. But he was involved with the first one as well. It's just because it was bouncing around and everything. Mm. So to be involved with all four goals, kickstart a comeback and just pick up the pieces. Like, that was incredible. Yeah, I- your post actually on Instagram, talk MCFC if you're not following already. <laughs> Mares versus Spurs, two goals, one assist, 78 touches, 39 accurate passes, 85% pass accuracy, five duels, one free key passes, three accurate crosses, one tackle. Adam, earlier this year, 
No, it would have been last year. Last calendar year. I think it was after one of the Champions League games. Uh, it might have been Copenhagen. I said it feels, I can't believe I said it. I'll have to go back and get it out. But I said it feels like this season with Haaland, Mares goals are a waste um, in the sense that I want to see other people <laughs> scoring. Tell you what, I wasn't thinking that tonight. And, and who'd have thought it? This is a double-edged question for you because I know time's ticking a little bit. But first of all, who'd have thought it? grealish Mares is City's best wing combination at the moment. I didn't think that. I'm sure Guardiola didn't think that. I'm sure literally everybody of a City persuasion didn't think that. And secondly, and this is probably the bigger talking point, we've been saying for weeks, our City a better team with without Haaland. I'm going to put it to you now. Not that I necessarily agree. Our City a better team without Kevin De Bruyne. Oh my <laughs> lord! Okay, um, I'll let I, I'll I'll say my piece. I'll let you think first. Yeah, I uh, as far as Mara's, um, it's it's superb to see him back in form, and I think as far as the wingers that we have, he is the man most capable of of the individual brilliance. You know, he mm. does he can he can go missing. That's for, his game, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, he he can go missing for seventy minutes and and have a hat trick on the night because of the the individual quality that he has. Um, as far as as far as De Bruyne, <laughs> I, I don't think City are a. Oh God, I don't even. Uh, you've really thrown me <laughs> he off. Just, here. You want to try to answer it? Yeah, his head's gone. He's, I know. He's thinking. Of, he's thinking of the aggregators picking up. Let, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. When. Kevin De Bruyne is not on his game. He is an almighty crutch because mm. of the way that he plays and the space on the pitch that he occupies. If his passes aren't coming off, his crosses aren't coming off, he is the world's heaviest anchor. Mm. But with that being said, he is arguably the best midfielder the Premier League has ever seen. I'd say he's the best midfielder that, that City have ever seen on, best in player. his peak. Yep. Best yeah. player City have ever yes, had. Yes, best player City have ever had. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think there is an argument to be made that tactically City are a better team without him. However, when he's on the pitch, from a talent point of view, City are a better team. So it's it's kind of a double-edged answer for your double-edged question. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, it, it, was, it wasn't there to be a, a tripwire. It was a genuine debate. And because uh, I... I for, for absolute clarity, City are not a better team without Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne is a Hall of Famer already, both Premier League and Man City. I think he's, what's worth pointing out, and John Ashley um, sent a message about this, pointed it out himself. He said um, he, he didn't think if Kevin De Bruyne was on the pitch at 2-0 down, City would have gone on to win the game purely because he went, I asked for working out like a, like a school teacher. I said, okay, let's see, let's see you working out for extra marks. And he said, uh, and I'm quoting now, he said, I think our panic plan with De Bruyne on the field is giving the ball and hope his cross from the inside right finds a blue shirt. We had the right technicians on the field to unlock Spurs with, uh, with great first touches and one twos. And I think that's absolutely spot on, Louis, isn't it? In the sense that yeah. when you had a look at how City played, Alvarez was fantastic. Jack Grealish again. We've been banging the drum forever, and our stocks are finally starting to pay off a little. Bit. Same as me, mate. Honestly, yeah, yeah. It Not feels all about good, the doesn't it? It feels yeah. good. Gucci Grealish is coming in clutch. <laughs> um, but you know that sort of that the, the way the ball moved, it wasn't the same as we've seen in recent weeks, where it was just this sort of repetitive one side to the other, try switch a play, ultimately attack would fall down. There was a fluidity about City. Yeah. And I think, it, first of all, rubbish is the City are a better team without Haaland debate because he was great tonight in that link-up play. And I think actually it goes and miss a little bit how good Haaland can be at, at yeah. 
doing that sort of his game. He's just so good at the other side. It go, it goes unnoticed a little bit. But that's that idea. We've seen it so often. I think the Everton game was perhaps the the ultimate version of it. De Bruyne are just constantly trying. I, I don't like the term spamming crosses, but it's that sort of idea, isn't it? It's just like, okay, if I put it into the box, perhaps Haaland will get it. And De Bruyne is a much better player than that. Harlan yeah. doesn't need that support, uh, that that sort of service. He, he can do it. He can do other stuff, and it, it was a. It's been an eye opener, I think, hasn't it? Because you consider it full time. Uh, sorry, uh, during the comeback, there was no Bernardo Silva on the pitch. There was no Phil Foden on the pitch. There was no Kevin De Bruyne on the pitch. And you'd say, arguably, at some point this season, and definitely over the last few seasons, have been City's most free, free important players. I guess what I'm trying to say is that we're getting towards a point where the tide might be turning, and City are going to be looking at different people to get them out of holes. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, when I, I think it was in the chat the other day, we we were talking about uh, each per- person's predicted lineup for Spurs or preferred mm. lineup, whatever you want to call it. And there was a couple of lads who were saying they they didn't want De Bruyne to play, and you know the system needs a real shake up and stuff. Mm. Sort of the sort of stuff they were quoting. But at, at first, I was so against that because obviously it's De Bruyne, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. like we said, it's De Bruyne. But after kind of going away from it and then just thinking about it when I had free time myself, I was thinking, no, maybe maybe they're actually right. And then when I saw the lineup and the lineup leaks coming out uh, with De Bruyne being dropped, I was like, maybe it is right to have a proper system shake up. And then obviously tonight, like you say, um, it was so so much more dynamic, so much more fluid. And I think we've been too slow recently altogether. Mm-hmm. Like the last few games, it's just been every time you watch City, like you said, the side to side, whatever. And it's just, it's not clinical enough. There's not there's not, there's not the cutting edge to it. It's, it's all the build up just far too slow. But tonight, albeit the first half, but the second half, it was it was so much quicker and so much better to watch as well. Because I, I'm sure you two have heard it before, but you know when people say City are boring to watch sometimes, yeah. I yeah. do kind of get it to a degree when we just like death by a thousand passes and we eventually unlock and pass it into the back of the net. But tonight was tonight was um, yeah miles better. But the De Bruyne debate. <laughs> it's a yeah it's a weird you one. don't you don't have to nail your colors to your mask <laughs> like that don't worry about it um we're gonna we're gonna in part two we're gonna ask very briefly what next for city but i think it's very important adam that we we finish on what heading into the game was a massive talking point and actually at half time i was thinking we're going to come on here and we're going to speak about that that issue a lot and, and it was the ticket prices which obviously caused a debate online obviously the match happened and I was thinking, I'm going to scrap it from the agenda. Let's not talk about it. We can put that off for another day, as frustrating as it is. But in the post-match interview, as I alluded to, Guardiola went, it, it, you know, give him credit, it was a fantastic interview. He called out a lot of people. But involved in that was this sort of, this strange moment where he called out the the, the supporters and he, and he basically said, you know, I want my fans back. Not the away fans. The away fans are the best. I think he said, I've said the best we have or the best in the league or something like that. I want my home fans back. And it comes on the back of what has been a couple of days of pretty intense online debates surrounding City's ticket prices. Now, um, in the big, the big Asda, uh, people who go to the Etihad will know what the Big Asda is. But before and I was getting my drink, I was getting a packet of crisps um, and I was looking online and this was must have been 30 minutes before kickoff. Still tickets available to buy for a big Premier League clash. This season, I can't remember... 
weeks in advance there being tickets to buy. And it was, for me, solely down to the prices. I was looking at some of them, second tier, £85. And I'll point out, you know, it wasn't large swathes. There was, you know, a few seats here and there, probably season ticket holders who weren't able to go. But I think the cheapest ticket was, was £68. And it's just... You know, it's not acceptable. It's absolutely not acceptable. And the comments from Guardiola, whilst I don't think he would have known the situation, because obviously he's the manager, he doesn't, you know, it'd be quite funny if he did, but he doesn't pay admission price to go and sit and sit on the bench. I'm sure, you know, he probably wouldn't have been doing that in the first half anyway, given how bad it was. But it's just this sort of, this this overarching feeling about disconnect from the top to the bottom and some people I think took it as a, an anti-tourist uh, sort of standpoint saying that you know City fans can only be from I don't know the surrounding Manchester area you're not allowed to go if you're not from there and it's absolutely not the case is it absolutely not the case however you have to look at it and go something has to change because um, I don't know if it's similar for you Adam and I'll pass over to you in a sec over in the over in America but in the UK there's a massive cost of living crisis. Everything in terms of prices is going up tenfold. City as a club, having recently, as recent as a couple of months ago, posted record revenues for their entire history, should be doing as much as they can to fill out that stadium with people who, I don't want to use the term, want to be there, because obviously everyone who's there does want to be there. But the people who are going to go there, make a noise, support the team, get behind the, the team when, when uh, things are going down badly, not people who are going to be there for, I don't know, an Instagram selfie or something like that. It sounds a bit crass from me, but it's getting to the point where I think something's going to have to change. Yeah, I think we've had this conversation a few times in in one of our group chats that's kind of split between Americans and and Mancunians. And one of those things is, you know, you can't, we don't get a say in, in who buys tickets to a Manchester City football game. If somebody from, you know, Indonesia wants to go to a game, yeah. great, go to a game. But the, but there is somewhat of an expectation. There is, you know, a, a tradition of if you are in an English football ground, you're there, especially as a home fan. You know, there is a reason that the home fans and the away fans are separated. And that's because, mm. you know, you're there to support one of the two teams and, and you're not, you know, Going there and being a neutral and being quiet and and kind of just it doesn't sit right with me. Mm. But on the ticket prices, and you know, you you asked me the question, what it's like for us? It's not comparable because sports here are there's a reason that our teams here are not called clubs; they're called franchises, and that's yeah, because yeah. they are businesses. Their sole purpose is to make money. English football didn't start that way. You know, English mm. football, it, it, your club, your local club is your, you know, it's a community asset, essentially. Mm. So you have to have some understanding of the community that your club is based in. And like you said, there is a cost of living crisis at the moment. I think there's a cost of living crisis all around the world. But, yeah. you know, with with City in particular, I think it's something what the average season ticket you pay about 19 pounds per game is what it comes out to it, I think one of the cheapest in the leagues there. one of the cheap like yeah. the comparison which is fantastic like, yeah it's incredible which is fantastic but what the club is ultimately doing and and we need to call a spade a spade here is they're profiting off of people for not having money is what yeah. they're doing yeah. which is capitalism 101 some people can't afford season tickets and therefore they've got to pick and choose the games that they mm. want to go to and, you know, the club are going to mark down on their calendar Tottenham at home, United at home, Liverpool at home. These are the games that our fans who can't afford season tickets, these are their their one night out or their, their second mm. night out of the year. Let's, let's crank up the price because they want to be there and 
this is how we're going to get them. We're going to treble, double the ticket prices. And frankly, it's disgusting because it truly, at the end of the day, is profiting off of people not having enough money to get season tickets. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think a final point on this, it's going to miss in some of the debate, especially in the sort of the American and US divide. I get the assumption that in the US, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I get the assumption that going to a sports game, be that basketball, NFL, American football, uh, hockey, uh, uh, what's the other one? Baseball, you know, even football, uh, soccer, is a is a very middle class um, privilege in the sense that that they they have priced out the working class from from going to sports matches. That's just how it is, and you know there is a, an argument to go and stand up against it. But like you say, franchises it isn't modelled like that in the UK. Traditionally, it's changed in the last twenty thirty years. It's a working class men's sport. Now that I'll asterisk that bit because that does need to change. Football going to football isn't just for men. Happy to see that changed overnight and hopefully it does but it's a working class sport and that isn't to say it's just for the working class but it's to say that football clubs like you say communities have been built up on these working class hordes of people city were founded by a vicar in the church to to if i've got my history right to stop drunken men from being on the piss all day you know there's Every single football club in in England has their story of community. Well, unless you're MK Dons, but that's a different story completely. Um, <laughs> Had to get but, that one in there. Yeah, yeah. Any 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 excuse. <laughs> but the idea that you were there now at this point because of success. Don't get it as wrong. If, if City were mid table, maybe it would have been. But I, I doubt that would have been six to eight quid for a midweek game. Um, because of success, City are able to and. Yeah. it's not right it's not right yeah. um, that'll do for part one we'll be back in a moment to round off what has been a pretty tumultuous but very enjoyable couple of days welcome back to the City Report podcast um, last one of the week so we are going to go a little over our usual time scale Louis thinking back to the football then um, serious hats on now if we can let's be proper journalists what next for City? Because I think when I, the, my first thought as the full-time whistle went was to turn over and laugh at the Spurs fans who had <laughs> exited the away end as quickly as they could. But the second thought was, right, this cannot just be a one-off for City now. This has to no. be a turning point. I think I, I, one of the tweets from the, the podcast account at half-time was at 2-0 down. This is either going to be the start of a season-defining comeback or it's going to be the beginning of the end. Obviously, we're hoping it's a season-defining comeback, but Wolves on Sunday, it can't go back to how it was before. No, it simply can't. I mean, like you say, bang on with the word season-defining comeback because that is what happened. Um, and, you know, football's such a momentum-based sport as well. So mm. when you come off the back of that, the, the morale's going to be so high, the dressing room's going to be brilliant, the players are going to be loving it. So you'd like to think that, not not to quite a cliche, but you know, take each game as it comes. That Wolves win that and start to become that machine that everyone knows City as mm. in recent years um, to hopefully return really, um, and then go from there. I guess They're obviously got to play Arsenal twice as well, which is always in the back of my mind. So mm. if, we, if we win both of those, then it's either one point ahead if they leave, if they lose somewhere else or two points behind. So they're both massive as well. Yeah, and I, you know, thinking ahead, I'm looking at that and I'm going, oh, I wouldn't have minded getting them to come to the Etihad first because we've still got to go away yeah. to Spurs and, and we've never scored at Spurs. So that's a, at the very best a nil-nil draw, Adam. But <laughs> looking ahead to Sunday, um, no real preview for us, obviously, given the schedule, Thursday night Premier League games. I don't know what that's about either, but Wolves, what do you want to see? Is it just pick up from where you left off, go at them? Wolves are obviously in a relegation battle, 
but they've had a really good turnaround under Lopetegui. They're actually out at the bottom three as things stand. They'll be looking to come and frustrate Adama Traore. We go from one hoodoo oh, to another God, with him, yeah, don't yeah. we? Um, what, what sort of approach do you want to see from City on Sunday? I, I, I'm going to hope that the second half of this game was a reminder to Pep, as I said at the beginning of this, pod, this podcast, that it was a reminder that this team has the ability to just go out and, and win games on their own just solely because of the talent that they have. And I've been banging on about it all year that you can't rely on individual brilliance. But if you set up to accentuate that individual brilliance, then you're going to get the best out of every single player on mm. the pitch. If you're going to to Wolves, a team that cannot score goals for the life of them, and the first thought in your mind is, how do we protect ourselves <laughs> against Wolves? then you're, you're setting yourself up for failure right away. If you're going into this game with a mindset of how do we attack this team and how do we keep the momentum going, then you're setting yourself up for success. And And I'm going to take a kind of bigger picture look here because we are getting, we're, we're over the half hour mark here. I, I went into the halftime of this game today and I, I kind of was trying to think back to moments like this in, in the Pep Guardiola era. And, and one moment that came back to me kind of rushing into my mind all at once was the Liverpool game at home in, in 2019, mm. the the back end of the 2018-19 season. So I think it was like January 2nd or 3rd, 2019. We went into that game seven points back of Liverpool, could potentially end the day 10 points back, not going to catch them. I remember going into that game and I actually, I happened to be in Manchester at the time. We were walking into the stadium and I was having a, a conversation amongst the people I was with. And we basically said, if City win this game, they win the title. And we, we, we were so, so confident. And something inside of me at halftime said, and I, I have this in writing, so I, I, can, I have proof. I sent it to some, some friends here in the US. I said, if City come from behind and win this game, they will win the title. Hmm. And I'm going to stick by that. And I'm, and that that is the the general feeling I now have. This could all change by by Sunday if City go out to is it, is it at Molyneux or is, no? no we've already played at Molyneux. Yeah. If we set up at home to defend against Wolves' horrible <laughs> counter attack and their non-existent threat, and the game finishes nil nil, I'll take it all back. But at mm. the moment, that felt like a big enough moment that it 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 made me feel those feelings again. I say you're going to win the league, Adam. Big statement. Yes. Because oh, we love it. Behind, because they came from behind and won the game today. <laughs> Louis, you say you're going to win the league? I don't want to say other way. I don't want to say other way. I want to. I don't want to say other way, though. Because I'm, I'm awful at jinxing things as yeah. well. Yeah, me, me and you both. That, that's the reason why I'm the host, because I'm not I'm not prepared to put my name to it. I already said that Riyad Mahrez goals were a waste of time this season. Dear me. Um, I, I kept saying all year we were going to win it and that and then... <laughs> I've got so many Arsenal fans at uni with me and the amount of stick I'm getting for it. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut now. Yeah, yeah. It's a long old season, isn't it, boys? <laughs> it's a long old season. Uh, finally, Louis, on a scale of one to absolutely besotted, what are your thoughts on Rico Lewis? What a player. Uh, you know what? It's, I mean, not to make you boys sound old or anything, but it's it's scary when he's two years younger than me as well. That whoa, whoa, really whoa. Think, he's, right? o- he's only bloody... F- Four years younger than me. Five, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Four years but you younger know, than me. Do you know what I mean? It's, though? Like, it's, it's the it's other crazy. one who's the old bastard. It's not us. <laughs> that is crazy though old. when you think about it. Assume, <laughs> me, me and my brother always have this joke. It's like, oh, like, I'm now becoming a failed youngster and stuff. Like, we're like, losing, like football manager and stuff. But, I'd have made I it if I didn't have, have my knee injury. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, 
to come into the side uh, and do that is it, it's obviously I mean you can say Palmer, but the first player that's really done that since Foden and had this much of an impact and this kind of undroppable uh, uh, not a word but like undroppableness about him <laughs> I love it he can't be it feels like he can't be and then when he has been in the last few games you, you've noticed it massively because mm. Walker's out of form Cancelo's out of form um but yeah I, I think it's crazy the fact he's just turned recently turned 18 he's playing this well is it's mad and in the chat earlier I saw a thing about the um the the England debate and I'm, I'm definitely not against that either because yeah the other options just aren't there yeah go on Mr. Westcott I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I think that he's had a bigger impact than Phil Foden in, in the way that in now now ding, listen, ding, I'm not ding. Saying, Adam Adam we'll call it a day we're leaving no, it we're on not. that we're, we're leaving not. it on that we are absolutely not thank you, did you this, very much for you listening you did this to me you did this to me with Harry Kane and Erling Haaland last week and I won't allow you've it you've got to 30 seconds again. you've got 30 seconds stopwatches on go he's not a better footballer than Phil Foden however the way in which he has come in and influenced games if you look at the way that City were set up tonight, Rico Lewis was the man instructed to play out of the Tottenham press. He's mm-hmm. 18 years old, and he's been instructed to be the man played out of the press. Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, his one, his one goal tonight was to man-mark and bully Rico Lewis out of the game. <laughs> That's an 18-year-old holding that much influence over the Tottenham midfield and that much influence over Antonio Conte. That is a bigger yeah, influence yeah, than Phil Foden had until probably 2020. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Rico Lewis, the best thing to ever come out of Berry, And I think we'll call it a day there. Um, chaps, thank you very much. Adam, thank you. Thank you. Louis, thank you. Thank you. And a big thank you from me. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody. Thank you so much for your support this week. We'll be back on Monday, hopefully speaking about another Manchester City win. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.